0: You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics.
1: Greetings and welcome to Domecast, the news and observer politics podcast. I'm Don Vaughn here with Danielle Battaglia,
0: Will Doran and Colin Campbell.
1: And the big story this week and we'll be discussing today is the Lindbergh trial. And Danielle and Colin, you guys just wrote a big overview of it. So what's going on?
2: We spent uh, way too long digging into <laughs> court documents and email records that were released by the Department of Insurance that sort of flesh out a little bit more of this alleged bribery scheme involving a uh, political mega donor and uh, insurance Magnate, I think, is how I've written it in some stories. Uh, Greg Lindberg from Durham, uh, who has started his trial this week. Sounds like nothing, as we record this on Wednesday or whatever day of the week it is, um, nothing terribly exciting has happened in the trial yet. Um, but we're expecting, um, I think we described it in our story as an all star witness list with uh, Pat McCrory involved, uh, Dallas Woodhouse, among uh, various other folks, um, Robin Hayes, the former NCGOP. Uh, Chairman who was um, indicted in this case but took a plea deal. He's going to be testifying probably against the other folks involved. It's Greg Greg Lindbergh and uh, two of his associates, John Palermo and John Gray, who are uh, facing trial for this. But uh, a lot of interesting details in the filings. Danielle, you got it into the uh, the section where public official A, which uh, has been identified as uh, Congressman Mark Walker, pops up. Yeah, He's got some interesting connections with this, even though he's not been accused of any wrongdoing.
3: Yeah, it sounds like um, Greg Lindbergh and his staff, so Palermo and...
2: Gray. Gray,
3: thank you. Mr. Gray. Um, they went to Mark Walker trying to get him to basically give them an into to um, Takazi and get him to fire one of his staff members. So um, it sounds like Congressman Walker did that and... Well, didn't. He basically intervened and try to get meetings for them set up to yeah,
2: like I think they, they, they wanted Walker to put pressure on because yeah. they basically had this one top um regulator, one of the deputy commissioners that they apparently were not getting along with and were hoping to fire and possibly replace with Palermo himself from the Lindbergh companies. Um, from the looks of the transcripts it seemed like Walker's involvement was basically like um he was accepting the political contributions for his mm-hmm. uh committees um, and then was working to set up meetings, he didn't necessarily weigh in on what uh, Mike Causey, Commissioner of Insurance, should have actually been doing about the staffing situation. There but, was
3: that one last quote in what they have put out to the public where it said that he called and asked if if Causey had moved one of the staff members and Causey then called um, over to Lindbergh's people. I don't remember if it was Lindbergh or one of the other two, but and asked and said, like, why Why is Congressman Walker getting involved with what's going on with my staffing? that seems weird. And they had mentioned that it came up during, um, I think Gray. It might have been Palermo. One of them worked with him for fundraising because of one of his connections to a local GOP, and just said it came up and kind of, you know.
0: Right, uh, John Palermo was the chairman of the Chatham County Republican.
3: Thank Party. you. Yeah. There's so Which much. We also facts got some money from
0: Lindbergh's uh,
2: associates. Uh, which is one of those weird things we were doing the original campaign finance. where so I was like, but the Chatham County party, what's up with that?
0: Yeah. yeah. You, you normally don't see county level parties getting huge, massive level donations. Um, but I think they got, uh, I think it was a six figure contribution. Um, yeah, uh, Lindbergh folks really didn't do small amounts. It was mm-hmm. either we're giving you the max or
2: we're giving you like six
0: figures, yeah. if not
2: seven figures.
0: Yeah. What a life. I mean, yeah. it was, it's, I, I mean, he made himself the biggest political donor in North Carolina for a few years there. Um, yeah, no one and- had heard of him at
2: that point. Like, he had this sort of obscured insurance, conglomerate of insurance and other companies. Um, but yeah, he popped up largely with the connections to Dan Forrest, who's uh, possibly mentioned in the uh, court documents. So there's, there's three public officials, A, B, and C. Um, and we uh, know that A is Mark Walker. Uh, B, there wasn't really... There's not a
3: lot to go off yeah. of B. I mean, there was a section about B, but I don't remember any like huge facts that sticks out that says this is so-and-so. Yeah, That's speculation. C,
2: the, the sort of key factors was the transcript that suggested that the person referred to as C was someone who was not up for election in 2018, which would basically knock out all the members of Congress, members mm-hmm. of the legislature who were getting Lindbergh money, um, and have to be somebody who was not up for election and was essentially trying to show financial strength so that primary challengers might be less likely to go after him. So it it fits the bill of Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, but he's not explicitly says him. So there's, I guess, a slight possibility it could be referring to a politician in another state or something of that nature. But, um, there's a decent chance, I think, based on the description that the description applies to Forrest.
0: Yeah. Lindbergh was very active in Florida politics too. He gave a lot of money down there, um, for kind of similar reasons. Um, Got, you know obviously he's an insurance businessman and clearly wanted to in influence the insurance regulators um, but yeah I, I think I think that no no one has gotten more from him than Dan Forrest at least in North Carolina um, from what we've seen uh, Lindbergh gave I, it was a total of 2.4 million dollars to two different PACs supporting Forrest uh, roughly equally split between the two of them and one is an independent pack. The other one is directly controlled by Forrest himself.
1: Um, it's the
0: Council of State, State PAC. Um,
1: which means that, I mean, Forrest could steer that money toward, you know, insurance commissioner or anyone else.
0: He could. If you look at the
2: records of that, which I did a while back, I don't think I've looked at their latest ones. Um, it's mostly going to Forrest, um, like paying his, like, campaigns office rent and there's some like video production money involved Well, it's the Uh, good
1: it's the good fact
3: yeah
2: they have the the council right yeah
3: well and that was one thing that came up in the court documents so like in the motions that were filed last week or maybe even as early as monday because there was a slew that came in but they were talking about how i think they got robin hayes on the phone to basically say like we can give this money to this pack and then get it to come your way so it was almost like they were going through a third party to get it to the politician but they're like saying we'll make sure that's how this flows which is what PACs do yeah
0: right yeah so that's really the the key part of the allegations against Hayes and Lindbergh mm-hmm. and his people is basically that they were using the state GOP as kind of a funnel to disguise yeah. these bribes to Cossie mm-hmm. um instead of giving directly to Cossie they were kind of funneling it through the the Republican Party um which is as the prosecutors claim bribery <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um but even though uh, Forrest gave even more money, uh, or I'm sorry, Lindbergh gave even more money to Forrest, Forrest has not been criminally charged in any no. of this. Um, and
3: neither does Congressman Walker.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Right.
2: Forrest has been very uh, vocal, I think, in saying he's not involved with this and that any attempts to connect him to it are, you know... Uh, Democratic scheme or the right. left-leaning media or something, as he describes it, fake news, whatever his term of choice may be based on the day.
1: Forrest told me, uh, I guess it was about a month ago in a phone interview that, you know, he said the media is desperately trying to tie me, um, you know, and he said it's not there. And he said that he considers um, it a non-issue. Um, he said the money was, you know, given and received legally. And he said it's not a not it's not an issue for him just the way that he says it's not an issue for Democrats that receive the money and HBCUs that receive the money. And so he doesn't see it as like the money itself exchanging, he says is, you know.
2: Yeah. The one thing that's popped up in the uh, email records is that um, Forrest and his chief of staff, Hal Weatherman right. uh, did in fact try to set up a meeting for Lindbergh with Causey around the time that Causey or that uh, Lindbergh was working through a couple of different channels of people he was giving money to. Uh, to try to get that coveted meeting. Um, it was worth noting that the office of lieutenant governor has very little power in general and mm-hmm. certainly not necessarily over insurance regulations and the sort of complex business interests that Dan Forrest had. I mean, that's not to say that Lindbergh's interest in Forrest wasn't in helping to him to become the next governor, in which case, you know, he'd have more of an ability to. Uh, at least shape legislation, maybe, or sign legislation Mm -hmm. um, that might have an impact on insurance companies.
1: But, I mean, this is all a long time ago in the politics world. I mean, 2017 for all of this. So a lot of it, too, is, you know, getting people to take meetings and like how he was trying to get close to causing, which you can, you know, maybe you're more willing to meet with someone because your political friend says that you should meet with them. Or you know, instead so just yeah, you know, and from reading the did, emails, right? it
2: looked like you know, Cosy was real. Uh, Lindberg found himself sort of on the outs with Cosy early on. He he wanted a meeting the first few months that Cosy was in office. Kazi's people were basically saying, "Sorry, he's really busy. Uh,
1: and there's can't the, talk
2: now." Y'all have um, about
1: in the story about that they asked him to attend a ribbon cutting, and he said, "Yeah, like no they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't put a
2: date on. You know, when they had this ribbon, they were going to build the ribbon cutting around Mike Cosy showing up." and Mike Causey's people were like not willing to have him there. Mm-hmm. Contrast that with, under the prior administration, um, you know, he obviously gave a fair amount of money to the uh, committee supporting the reelection of Democrat Wayne Goodwin, who's now chairman of the State Democratic Party and is running to, against Causey to get his old office back. Um, the email records that were released have very little that goes directly between the Lindbergh people and Goodwin. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of email traffic between Lindbergh and Associates and two of the top deputies mm-hmm. um, at the Department of Insurance at the time. Those two folks, as soon as Goodwin leaves office, go to work for Lindbergh's companies. Um, but looked like they, even when they were in the Department of Insurance, had kind of a cozy relationship. They were giving them a heads up on legislation that might be of interest and beneficial to Lindbergh's insurance companies. Uh, There were some exchanges about a trip to Italy where they were trading tips and were excited to talk to each other after one of them got off the plane from Italy and back from his vacation. Um, So there's definitely indications that um, Lindbergh probably liked the treatment he got from at least these two deputy commissioners. and was with the new regime trying to establish a similar relationship. uh, And initially uh, with Kavi not having any luck until he starts to contact some of these other Republican officials and and try to get them to sort of make the introduction.
0: Yeah, and this has led to a lot of consternation in the Democratic Party too, um, because obviously after Goodwin lost to Kazi in 2016, he became the chairman of the Democratic Party and uh, Lindbergh uh, then gave the Democratic Party an additional $750,000, which the party declined to return after all of these criminal indictments came down against Lindbergh and his associates. And there were a lot of Democrats kind of, you know, in the second, third, fourth tiers of the party leadership who wanted to give that money back because they felt it was kind of hamstringing them from really going after Forrest because, you know, if they're taking Lindbergh money, they can't really criticize, you know, their political opponent for also taking Lindbergh money. Um, uh, But uh, the party has basically stuck by it and said, no, we didn't do anything wrong. We haven't been indicted, unlike the GOP chairman who was indicted. We were not. And so we're not going to give this money back. Um, same with Forrest. He, he hasn't given any of the money back. Um,
1: right. For I mean, the
0: same reason. He's like, you they know, want it. feds don't want the money and they need right.
1: the money it's to try to money. win the campaign, right? It's so. hundreds
0: of thousands or even millions of dollars. And so they may have yeah. already
2: spent on various things. It's, it's been a while, so, yeah. you know, they try to you, you might also have to, like, raise money in order to make up for a debt or a negative balance in your bank account if you got rid of these large sums of money that were coming from Lindbergh.
0: Yeah.
1: So, and Forrest needs four signs per corner.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the
0: Brent run, run. run and <laughs> signs, Oh, yeah. So.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. So run. And uh,
1: today's sign report, I've noticed uh, a whole bunch of Deborah Ross signs were out there now. Oh, uh, I have not seen And those. Uh, for Congress and Josh Dobbs and for Labor. seen those. That's, yeah. that's the latest. So tell us, um, what do blueberries have to do with all oh, this? Oh, yeah, So this is the fun part
2: of this trial. And I think the judge is going to probably, from the statements he made in the first day, um, or the judge is probably going to shut this these sidelines down and stick with the the main allegations related to the bribery charges. Uh, but the the pretrial motions were fun because they seem to be wanting to bring in all sorts of things. There was yes. possibilities of bringing in Greg Lindbergh's divorce filings, mm-hmm. um, which... Are, are interesting because dating there's
3: Instagram girls, yeah, yeah, some of
2: these news reports about his very unique lifestyle where he allegedly was hiring private security to uh, t- rent apartments next door to women he was dating. Um, Keep so, them under surveillance like steal yeah. their cars and stuff. So there, there yeah. seemed to be a big concern so about Lindbergh's <laughs> attorney is that these other details were going to come up in the trial and Potentially bias the jury to think that Lindbergh was a shady, weird dude, and therefore was somehow guilty of the other things. Uh, so they want all of that taken out. And then mm-hmm. there's blueberries. The and- defense,
3: the defense wants to add in two things about uh, Kazi to try to paint him like a problem. And one of them is that he, I think in 2009, it was 11 years ago, so 2009 sold blueberries under the table at a Greensboro farmers market which I had never heard of. I had to consult a former yeah. farmer. I was picturing him under the farmer. table. And like go, literally like, under the table.
0: Yeah, yeah like, You have to go under the table to buy these blueberries yeah. and <laughs> it's against the rules to do it that well, way. Well, and but. what I was unclear about is like, are these blueberry allegations even proven?
3: I, that's what I was confused <laughs> about because the the motions filed. Oh, let me explain what under what the was table blueberry
2: blueberries. Are same, yeah, <laughs> so, You yeah, had to consult some of her I
3: had a, sources
2: in the farming community. Yeah, in order so to this. under
3: the table blueberries means that you are selling blueberries that are bought in a store and passing them off like you grew them yourself. Ah. So, anyways, uh huh, it's lying. Um, uh-huh. It's lying. Yeah. <laughs> so what I was seeing is that eventually. The Greensboro Parks and Rec director, I'm sorry if I have the job title wrong, but basically leader of Parks and Rec gave back his ability to sell at the farmer's market after taking away for doing this. And people were reporting back then that part of it was political pressure. Some people were saying that he didn't do anything wrong. So I'm not sure, you know, not having reported on this in 2000. One, is that what I said? Nine, 2009. Yeah. I was still in college. Yeah, um, before your time in the It was before party. my time. <laughs> I don't know if they found him of any wrongdoing or not. I was very confused on that.
0: But I mean, who ever thought that farmer's market drama would be? Oh, right? Uh, th- Potential part of a massive bribery yeah. criminal trial. Yeah, I mean, I clearly they
2: did some like real big dig- digging on Causey's background because he wasn't really a well known figure in politics before he successfully ran for insurance commissioner. Yeah. So apparently he was selling stuff at the farmer's market. I do like
3: that the motions were also changing his name from Commissioner Causey to um, Farmer Causey throughout. So, like, whenever it was him in 2009, it was Farmer Causey. And also, I didn't know he owned a farm. Yeah. Or did not,
1: depending on where he was getting these blueberries from. So the lesson here, <laughs> folks, is all your blueberry transactions could come up later. Yeah. <laughs>
2: you know, uh, blueberries and bail bonds, because the other thing was a yeah. uh, seized insurance-related bail bonds company that Department of Insurance under Causey had taken over. And the company was alleging that um, he had done so for political reasons. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of lawsuits around that. Um, that I somehow got stuck covering even though
3: it was Me too. way too
2: esoteric. It was a weird thing that we were yeah. all had experience covering these weird bail bonds cases. Yeah. Uh, but that has, because why wouldn't it, it has now coming up in the Lindbergh case <laughs> that the, uh, with the, his attorney is essentially trying to make the case that this bail bonds seizure thing would somehow indicate that uh, Causey will do these kinds of actions against particular
0: businesses for political reasons as yeah. opposed to legitimate regulatory reasons. The bail bonds industry seems to find itself involved in kind of an inordinate amount of yeah. political scandals. Yeah, in state. I've learned a
2: lot about bail bonds as a political reporter, Yeah,
0: um, more yeah. so than
2: I did when I worked in a courthouse town at the beginning of my career where every other storefront was bail bonds. And- <laughs> <laughs> Half the time we'd be writing stories about, did you know a new bail bondsman has opened up downtown and Primo's real estate?
3: <laughs> I learned about it because of can being in Greensboro and I was covering the courts and that was right when the feds or the SBI came in and like swarmed the place to get their computers or something. Yeah. It's just been a couple of years since I I, I I've read really all yeah. the
2: court filings about that because I was a glutton for punishment at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of weird stuff that could surface in this trial. It seems like the judge is going to try to keep a lid on that and and keep the attorneys on topic and not just trashing each other's uh, character and background of, you know,
0: dating histories and blueberry sales well <laughs> and you you mentioned the witness list earlier as you said you know former governor pat mccurry is on the witness list does that guarantee that he will be testifying or is it just mean it that doesn't, he could doesn't, be? yeah i mean you but, guys
1: have a phrase in there that says all-star lineup so yeah. props for that phrase yeah and i don't think
2: i wrote that but someone did it
3: was
1: it me was <laughs> it
3: <laughs>
2: no okay so it's a triple byline yeah i don't know, know. know. <laughs> all right so manager. no
1: props for you no it wasn't yeah. us but um tell us about the all-stars what
2: yeah we do? so we know um, Pat McCreary could come up, which is interesting because McCrory has not really been tied to Lindbergh. I don't think he got any direct contributions from Lindbergh um, or Associates at in any sort of large measurable amounts. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise
0: to me to see his name on there. Yeah,
2: and of course he's been out of office and doing a AM radio talk show in Charlotte for the last several years, so he's not been hugely active player in politics recently. I feel um,
1: like saying stuff, so you might have some
2: interesting yeah,
0: things
1: yeah. here.
2: Right? If, if we don't get the hot takes on his radio show, maybe we'll get them in court. Um, Dallas Woodhouse is on the list, which is not terribly surprising because, obviously, he would have worked very closely with Robin Hayes and may have been aware of, of certain conversations that took place.
3: Um, I think he came up in a court filing, too, which, I mean, I've read so many at this point, it's all <laughs> blurring together, but...
2: Yeah, and so and then it still you know remains to be seen whether we'll see anything from some of these either the mysterious public official B or um, any other elected officials that maybe you know intersect with the uh, Lindbergh universe.
3: Yeah, and we didn't hear Mark Walker's name come up on the witness list. Not that we have the entire witness list. I should say that.
2: Yeah, I've not seen the full list. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of stuff I think will, will probably come out in this, and it'll be interesting to watch except for you can't watch it because federal courts are make it very hard to for the media to cover so there are reporters there with our, our friends of <laughs> the charlotte observer who mm. are probably banned from tweeting and such during the trial um
3: court the is so the frustrating room. cover that way yeah yeah this <sighs> pet peeve of mine
0: yeah but i mean this could be interesting i mean you know this trial going on right in the middle of the primary elections um yeah you yeah. can definitely tell i mean we've already
2: seen press releases from like the nc or the, from the cooper campaign um yeah, they've been all working over. to real hard to make sure that dan Forrest's name is coming up in association with this trial as much as possible and then you know the dan Forrest people pushing back to the point that i think they were calling out uh specifically wral's coverage which i think has been you know fair and in-depth on this topic, but claiming that, you know, the media is out to get them and and is using this as their their
0: tool. Let's take a break and uh, do Headliner of the Week.
1: All right. All right. And we're back with Headliner of the Week. But first... Um, Y'all have been listening the last few weeks. We know it's more, I guess, democratic in a Twitter way where we (laughs) throw out our individual headliners, turn it into a Twitter poll that we tweet from under the dome, which is at under the dome. Um, Of course, we'll individually retweet it. So feel free to go vote there and then you get to help decide headliner of the week. So last week, our choices were, oh, hmm, Greg Lindbergh trial, Phil Berger's real estate, DHHS, contractor layoffs, and ECU trustee drama. And everybody loves drama, and that's what y'all voted for. The ECU trustee drama coming in with 47.8% of the votes, of a whopping 23 votes. So maybe more y'all can vote next time. Whose was that? Who had the ECU? I drama? think that was
2: me. Was it? You?
3: you don't know. I know. All right. No, no the last horns week. to self, too.
1: <laughs> okay, so this week's headliner since I'm talking, I'll go first. Um, Mine is, oh, I forgot what mine was going to be. Oh, yes, of course. Um, Super Tuesday coming up, which, as you all know, North Carolina is part of. And so one of the presidential candidate stragglers, both in the polls and in visits to our state, is actually coming here now. Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota, who um, Fox News Channel just announced that she will be here for a town hall and there's no details on that yet, but I assume that she'll have other stuff going on too. And we'll see how that pans out next week. I'm so, choosing, Danielle, you
3: know, Because you all like drama, the blueberry drama, because blueberry. who doesn't like food and drama? <sighs> <All
0: right. laughs> the blueberries are hilarious. Um, I'm going with Michael Bloomberg. Uh, he just got endorsed this morning uh, by uh, Raleigh Mayor, Ann Baldwin. Uh, he adds that uh, Charlotte Mayor uh, Vi Lyles, uh, also Nancy McFarland, Charles Meeker, the former Raleigh mayors, So he's really kind of racking up the uh, the endorsements on the municipal level. And uh, WRL just had a poll out uh, earlier this week that showed Bloomberg is basically in a three-way tie in North Carolina with Biden and Sanders for the top of the Democratic ticket. So uh, lots of intrigue leading up to the, the presidential primary.
1: All right. Counting down. Colin, what you got?
0: Um, I am going to go
2: with a sad one this week. Uh, State Representative Linda Johnson, uh, who is one of the, uh, the top budget writers in the House for a number of years, one of the longest serving uh, House Republican members from Cabarrus County, also very active on education issues, so very well liked among both parties, uh, passed away this week um, after an illness. Um, so um, lots of sadness in the legislature this week, um, and probably a, a funeral arrangements uh, coming for her. and. Uh, the Cabarrus County Republican Party will have to find someone to serve out the rest of her term. So, I think it's on a downer. I'm going with uh, Rep. Linda Johnson. She was really, really well respected over the legislature. I mean, yeah, not a name you saw the news a lot, but mm-hmm. she was definitely, you know, really influential behind the scenes figure.
1: All right. Well, thank you for listening. Um, I'm Don Vaughn with Danielle Battaglia, Will Dorn, and Colin Campbell. See you next time.